something hits us that's really hard and it drags us down. Some circumstance, like she was even saying, circumstances like that where, you know, our house, my apartment floods and all my stuff is getting wet and I have two choices. Either I say, you know, go to this side and everything's negative. My life is terrible. God doesn't see me anymore. You know, this is just horrible. Why would he allow this to happen to me? I'm his kid and all the complaints, you know. We have a choice to go there and start to be discouraged by our circumstances. Or we have a choice to come above it and look with eyes of faith and praise him and say, Lord, you've kept it just at our ankles. Thank you, Father, that it didn't get any higher than that or that it didn't ruin this or that, or that our, our apartment's not going to be filled with mold after this circumstance. We're, we're looking higher, and I'm not going to let the enemy pull me down through hard circumstances. We're going to see with eyes of faith. There was the, the testimony. I was reading Charles Finney's book on revival, How to Experience Revival. It's a really intense book, but he shares this testimony, and I shared it last week, of the woman there had been revival in this town, many people getting saved, and then the revival died down, and the wo this woman in the church said to the pastor, revival's coming, we have to be ready, call a meeting, and the pastor said, I don't think that revival's coming, you know, it just was here, it's, we're not going to do that, but she was so filled with faith, nothing in the natural said that revival was coming, but she believed God. So what did she do? She went to her house and she built, she had them build wooden pews in her house because she was so assured that God was saying people were going to come in and get saved. She called a meeting and a few believers came. The ones that were like, is this going to happen or not? But what happened? All of a sudden, her house was flooded with men and women crying out to be saved. She didn't invite anybody to come. She didn't, that was a move of God, but she obtained the promise of God by her faith. Because no one was saying revival's coming other than she knew in her spirit, because of the spirit of God inside of her, she knew something was coming, and she was so assured of it that she started to act before she saw anything happen. Now, that's the key here. Faith produces obedience in us, an obedience that looks foolish to the world. Just like Noah, he heard God say to him, the earth will be flooded. Now, the earth had never experienced rain before. Never before had they had rain. The water came up from the ground to water the plants. But God said to Noah, it will rain 40 days and 40, well, he didn't say how long it was. He said, it's going to rain and flood the earth. And no, said, Noah, build a boat. No, Noah's faith in the word of God pushed him into obedience where he started to build this massive boat and people mocked him and said, you're so foolish, you're stupid, ha, 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 like, oh yeah, the earth is going to flood, like rain falling from the sky. It was something that had never happened before, but he did not pay attention to the mocking of the enemy that says, you're so foolish to have faith. Whenever we choose to have faith, the enemy comes and tries to point the finger, the accuser, and says, you're foolish. 
Stop what you're doing. It's stupid. You're going to look foolish before everybody else, and God's going to fail you. And that's basically what he's trying to tell us over and over. God will not come through for you. So stop what you're doing. And it causes us to doubt. It's not easy. We have to persevere through those times and say, no, these are the promises of God, and I'm going to lay hold of them by my faith, and my faith is producing this obedience in me that looks foolish to the world. So we're going to start to act before we see anything. The other morning, I heard so clearly during my time with the Lord I was just sitting with my journal, and I heard him say, remind yourselves of the promises of God. Do not forget his faithfulness. Remember what he has done. Remember, call to mind what he has done, and, and meditate on what he said he will do. Call it to mind. Do not depend on your own strength. Because when we start to look to our own strength, like, will I be able to make it through? That's when we say, uh, of course not. And we get pulled down and down and down because of we don't have the strength. We don't have what it takes. The Holy Spirit inside of us gives us what we need, the grace that we need to face any situation that comes our way, anything that God has called us to do. The Spirit of God inside of us alone is what gives us the strength and the ability to obtain that promise. So it's that's why it says, lean not on your own understanding. Do not lean on your own understanding. Do not lean or depend on your own strength. Boast in your weakness so that the power of God would be displayed through your life where you say, we are foolish and we're okay looking foolish to the world because Christ on the cross was foolishness to the world, but it was the power of God unto salvation for the entire world. The world looked on and said, foolish, 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 and God said, wisdom. This is my wisdom, and you will see it. All will see it one day. And it's hard. Babe, can you bring me my phone real quick? I felt like I was supposed to read the dreams that Renee had back in the beginning. Sorry. Renee had some dreams about us as a community. And when I was praying this morning and writing some stuff down, and reading this, remind yourselves of the promises of God. I immediately thought back to Renee's dreams. These are promises that the Lord has given to us. Let me get it here. I had it this morning. Here we go. This first dream, the dream six to 600. This dream happened end of April. The dream started off with me losing a loved one. This is Renee. The next day, we were going to have a big community get-together at the church for people in Carmel to get to know Tommy and Wesley and our small group at the Cross in Carmel. I had made up my mind not to go the night before so I could stay home to mourn the loss of this family member. In the dream, I went to bed, woke up, came out of my room, and I was at the church. As I came out of my room, I remembered we had the get-together. I figured since I woke up at the church, somehow I would go into the sanctuary to see what needed to be done. Our church building did not look like the one we have now. In fact, it was a huge one. 
As I go into the sanctuary, I see my cousin, who is not saved, and he's banging on the djembe, having fun. I went up to him, and we talked for a while. As we were talking, I realized he needed to put the djembe away because we had people coming, and we needed to be ready to welcome them. As, as I started asking him to put it away, I turned around, and a flood of people started to come in. Instantly, a huge choir started to form on the platform, singing and worshiping with such passion. The sea of faces and voices were faces of different cultures, voices with accents and foreign languages, Karel. I sat down in amazement. All I could say over and over was, my God, my God, we went from six to 600. I got up in excitement trying to find Wesley and Tommy to see what we should be doing if we should try to bring structure or putting the instruments away. We go to put the instruments away, but we couldn't do it because the presence of God was so thick, something greater was happening. I looked over at Wesley and said, you guys just got here and didn't even lift a finger, and we've gone from six to 600. I then went out to the lobby and saw the buses still pulling up with people unloading and old faces coming back to us that once were part of the Cross and Carmel. I couldn't welcome the ones who were once a part of us because I was so excited and so overwhelmed that I all I could say is, I love my church, I love my church, I love the church. I go running back in the sanctuary, and in this is one of my favorite parts, to the right in the back corner is a preteen choir who had an Australian leader they were each singing out their testimony. As they sang out the testimony, the other choir in the platform, all of them were different ages, were singing back to them these words. If God will bring you to it, he will bring you through it. I know he can. I know he can't. I'm going to read that again. They were singing back as this young team choir was singing their testimonies. The other choir of many ages sang back, if God will bring you to it, he will bring you through it. I know he can. I know he can. I continued to stand in the back of the church watching awe at the unity and flow, speechless through everything, overwhelmed with excitement. The only thing I was able to say over and over was from six to 600, how did this come out of Carmel? When I was questioning how, the mind-boggling thoughts were, how did we not know there was so much culture in Carmel, and how and where did these people come from? A long mouthful of a dream, but very filled with so many promises that you say, hmm, six to 600? Can I even imagine in my natural mind 600 people in this room? Honestly, no. But that's when you have to step in and look with eyes of faith and say, if God brings you to it, he will bring you through it. It's him who does it, not us. It's not our own strength. We don't depend on our own strength, our own charisma to bring the people in. We do what God has called us to do by meeting here, by sharing love, by doing the food pantry, by reaching out to the community. We're just doing what we do as believers, right? Extending the love of God to the lost wherever we are and meeting together to glorify him as his family. That's all we do. And then God does the rest we lean into his strength. We lean into his ability and say, God, whatever you want to do, do it. We welcome you. And if you're saying six to 600, we remind ourselves of the promise and say yes and amen. 
Yes and amen. Not just because of numbers, because of souls. There are lost souls who need to know Jesus and be brought out of their captivity, out of their depression, out of their loneliness, into a family, the family of God, to be broken out of their bondage and brought into freedom. That 600 people should cause this welling of love inside of our hearts that says, yes, Lord, we want to see the lost saved. We want to see backslidden Christians who have been hurt and abused or burned by the church. We want to see them come back in droves because of who you are, not because of people, but because of who God is, that they would all of a sudden realize and remember God is good. He is a love. He is the only one worthy. We're drawn by his presence. We must have more of God, not more of a certain person preaching, not more of a certain person's worship. We must have more of God. In that dream, what struck me was that they were singing out their testimonies. Testimonies exalt who God is and what he's done. And the, the response was, it's all about him. If he brings you to it, he's going to bring you through it. He can, he can, he can. Building up our faith. It's God who does it. It's all about him. We don't want this ever to be about a man or a person or a woman. Because if it is, it will end and people will scatter hurt by people. Because it's easy to be hurt by people. In Hebrews 10 verses 35 through 39. This scripture kept coming to mind this morning. Hebrews 10, 35 through 39. Paul is writing here. Well, it's believed to be Paul, not positive. Believed to be Paul writing. Therefore, he says... Do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. For yet in a very little while, he who is coming will come, and he will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back to destruction, but of those who have faith to the preserving of the soul. We are not of those who shrink back. We are those who have faith that are going to obtain the promise. It says, don't throw away your confidence, for it has a great reward. You will obtain the promise through your confident assurance that God is who he says he is. He's not a man that he should lie. When he says he will do something, he's going to do it. And we can put 100% confidence in the promise of God. Where he said six to 600, we're saying we believe. We believe. We believe. God, you're magnificent. Six to 600 is nothing for you. We believe. We believe in who you are, God. We believe. I was sharing a little bit about David Brainerd this morning, a missionary back from the 1700s. And the funny thing is he got kicked out of Yale 
he was studying at Yale, and he gets kicked out of Yale for calling one of his teachers. He said to one of his professors, you have as much grace as a chair. Because the professors there were not moving in the grace of God that they didn't understand it back then. So he was a little rude. You have a, about as much grace as a chair, which I thought was a funny insult that gets him kicked out of Yale. He gets kicked out. He joins a mission society and gets sent to the Native Americans in New Jersey. He's very sick. Find out he has tuberculosis, but he preaches and translates the Bible into the Native Americans' language. He figures out their language by living there, begins to translate psalms for them to be able to read. And very few people got saved when he was there. But he kept, he was compelled by the love of God. He said, God has called me here. I must give my life for it. It doesn't even matter what is seen in the natural. God has called me here. I will give my life for it. He didn't go to a hospital. He didn't go get help for his spitting up of blood. He said, I must stay here. These Native Americans need to know God. They need to know his love. By the end of his life, there was uh, many of the Native Americans gave their life to the Lord through him. But what was more impressive, he has touched so many because of his perseverance through trial because of the word of God. His faith is what has encouraged many believers. And we were talking about this earlier today, that it's your faith needs to produce perseverance to obtain the promise, obedience. And it's not always easy. A lot of times it's very hard. I mean, think about the disciples and the apostles. We think, wow, as we're going to be discussing today, wow, these men who walked with Jesus in the flesh, saw him do signs and wonders, were they themselves raising the dead, performing signs and wonders, casting out demons, healing the sick. Wow. Then Jesus leaves and says, you all go, start the church, preach the gospel gospel, baptize believers, teach them everything that I've taught you. And they were called Christians. But what happens to those apostles? They're beaten. They go hungry. They suffer. We don't tend to dwell on those facts because it's like, oh, that's just like mm, not so fun. But the fact is they had a faith inside of them that carried them, a joy that sustained them through hardship. And we must know the truth that we as the children of God will experience hardship just like the rest of the world. The fact is we have the joy of God inside of us that carries us through all of those situations, even unto death where we can say, God, I will die for you. Greatest joy. The greatest joy would be for me to give my life to you we only get to that place when we cultivate this place of faith in who God is and his promises, seeing the way that he sees. I'm going to end with Ephesians 3. Oh, I'm not going to. Actually, there's one more scripture after this. Ephesians 3, 15 through 21.
Well, 14 through 21. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to the fullness of God. Oh, this is the puncher here. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. We have the spirit of the living God inside of us. Whoa. I think we need more and more revelation of that. I need more and more revelation of that, that the spirit of the living God, the creator of all things, dwells in me. He dwells in you. Whoa. The fullness of God by the spirit dwells in us to strengthen us, that we would be strengthened in our inner man by the spirit that dwells within us so that we might be able to know far more abundantly beyond that he is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think or imagine. This is what we've been created for, the purpose of God on our lives, to obtain these promises and display to the world. Our God does great and mighty things. When we ask him, he answers. We obtain by faith the things that we believe for and declare in prayer. We believe they're going to come to the earth and we're going to see them. And the community of Carmel is all of a, gonna, all of a sudden going to be like, whoa, God is real. He can do so much more than we can imagine. Signs, wonders, miracles, the presence of God because of his spirit inside of us. When the spirit of God dwells in us, there's something always pulling us toward our purpose. When the spirit of God dwells in us, there's something always pulling us toward our purpose. You know, there's times where we start like pulling away from our purpose, getting caught up in the day-to-day -day things, but because the Spirit of God dwells in us, there's something that always tugs us back to say, remember who you are. Don't forget who you are. Don't forget what I've called you to be and do. Don't forget that I've freed you unto this purpose. Don't forget my promises. Don't forget Remind yourself and pursue purpose. Pursue my will. Let faith produce obedience. And we need that. I mean, we are walking in it. But I want it more and more and more, right? These types of things where we say, God spoke to Marie to say, do dinner on Valentine's. I believe that that was the Lord. I believe that that was the spirit of God inside of her. Because I believe that, we need action behind it that all of a sudden we rally together and we say, yeah, God said it, we're going to do it. The outcome actually doesn't matter. 
He's in charge of that. We are going to be driven by our faith to obey and give him glory for it. If no one were to show up and we cook tons of pasta, we say, hallelujah. Yeah, we'll eat it. We'll say, Jesus, we were obedient. This was for you. We give glory to your name. And whether people come or not, we're giving glory to your name because this is about you. And we will do whatever you put in our hearts to do because we love you. And you deserve it, Lord. You're worthy of it, Lord. And this is what we're pursuing as a community. This is our DNA. Faith producing obedience so that God would be glorified. Faith producing obedience so that God would be glorified. Say it with me. Faith producing obedience so that God would be glorified. One more. Faith producing obedience so that God would be glorified. Let it be in us. Father, we're asking for that today. We want the faith. We're asking that, Holy Spirit, you would strengthen us in our inner man today, that we wouldn't be as those that shrink back, but that we would be full, fully confident, obtaining your promises in the state of Maine through prayer, through faith, through obedience, obtaining your promises in the state of Maine so that you would be glorified here and that many would see, just like in the dream, what, how could that come out of Carmel? Only God. How could this come out of Carmel? Only God. Just like Jesus showing up in Bethlehem, a little nowhere town, and they said, how could the Son of Man come out of Bethlehem? How could he come out of Nazareth? the King of kings and Lord of lords. Well, Lord, we welcome you here. Come and have your way. Give us strength. Give us fresh vision. And as your word says, those who wait on you will be renewed in their strength. Well, we're waiting on you, God. We ask that you would renew our strength today on the inside, vision for what you're doing, the simplicity of knowing you and making you known. And we do ask, God, for this dinner that we're going to have on Valentine's that you would bring many from the food pantry to come, that they would encounter your love on that day that's supposed to celebrate love, that there would be something that draws them in, Jesus, and to encounter you, your presence. We thank you for what you're doing and how you're moving. You are great. And we love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.